Welcome to the StarNet 1 and 3 podcast. I'm Bridget Meese, an early childhood resource specialist, and I'm joined here today with Cecilia Mintz, another early childhood resource specialist, along with Michael Kelly, a teacher from St. Joseph Preschool in Illinois. Today, Michael is going to share some of the strategies for adapting the curriculum to meet the needs and interests of the children in his classroom. We really appreciate you coming in to talk a little bit about just the way that you engage children. And I know, of course, with the pandemic, things are differently, but let's pretend we're not in the pandemic and you're actually in person with the children because that's what's really amazing to see is just the way that you really engage children and follow their leads. Um, I know Cecilia and I have both been in your classroom and just amazed at how natural it comes to you. Can you tell us a little bit about how you really adapt your curriculum to fit the interests of your children? So to be able to adapt it, I, I kind of look at it as a whole. Um, I go through the entire thing. The The biggest challenge I have, and I think maybe we'll get to this later, uh, is is uh, the curriculum was written by really smart people for a purpose. So the balance I try and find is implementing the curriculum with integrity, yet also making it a little bit more meaningful for the students that I have. Uh, so basically what I do is uh, when we, we grab a unit study, uh, I have the luxury of being with two other st- teachers, so we can collaborate a lot on that. But uh, we'll go over the weeks and kind of plan out an overarching question or topic of study throughout the week. And then I will further subdivide that into days. So I'll use probably trees in our interview today as, as an example. But um, if we're going to talk about trees, what are the four, five, six different you know, main questions that I want kids to know, be able to carry home. What do I want them to have the skills? Uh, what do I want them talking with their parents when they go home that day? Uh, and then I'll hit those over a, a course of a week. And like I said, then I'll further subdivide that down into the day. So what am I going to talk about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? And um, you know, I'm looking at a few different things uh, with that. So the curriculum um, that we use creative curriculum, a lot of times it'll have visitors come in and I can't always do those. Uh, there's a lot of times where they have big group discussions where it seems like everybody's supposed to participate. I just can't do that. So I'm, I'm looking at doing a few things uh, when I'm looking at playing like a circle time, uh, for example. I'm always looking to uh, give a chance for them to um, participate in some way. So it might be having a question that you know, only half the class or part of the class is able to answer and then also varying those questions so, so that there are students, you know, who have a communication deficit that they're able to answer um, in one way or another. So being able to adapt the question that way. I also try and um, ask questions a lot of times where they can use pictures or get up and move. So I have a big chalkboard next to me. Uh, and so if we're talking about trees and foods that grow on trees, the question might be uh, a sorting, like which of these grows on trees. So they're going to come up and grab a picture. They're going to put it in the side that grows with trees or the side that has fruits that grow on trees and then uh, things that don't grow on trees. So they actually get up and move. They can see the picture. Um, they're able to label it, uh, you know, most often. So being able to make those changes uh, to, to provide movement and then also support with the communication, I think, is big. Um, that's probably one of the biggest ways that I change uh, the curriculum as far as just like circle times and stuff like that. A lot of teachers struggle with that, um, with the scripted curriculum and making it 
doing it to fidelity, but also making it their own. Um, so it's interesting to hear how you're looking at expanding out from me. Okay. They say to do it this way, but how else can I still meet my children's needs and stick to my curriculum? Yeah. And a thing I do is I, I really try and hammer out like what is appropriate for these kids to know. And like I alluded to this, uh, I want to be able to build or scaffold to that. And then it also allows me for repetition throughout the week. So I might introduce something on Monday, then I'll introduce something on new on Tuesday, but it's building off of what was on Monday. We review what's on Monday. And so we can do that all throughout the week. So they've heard it so many times in a given week that they're able to, you know, regurgitate it back and be able to remember it. Um, I also forgot to mention, I always uh, do a song to add the movement as well. Um, and the song usually either tries to hit home the concept as well, or it, at the very least, it gets them up and moving uh, during that. So, Yeah, it's nice to hear that you keep in mind the children's need to move during that circle time, that it's not just sitting and listening to you talk, but you know that the children need to move because that's part of how they learn. It's how they develop. Mm-hmm. So it's great that you're um, just incorporating that naturally into their day. With meeting the children's needs with the curriculum, what do you do in the interest centers so that you know that you're touching on the curriculum, but you're also meeting mm-hmm. interests of the children? Sure. Um, so to be able to meet their interests, uh, using a lot of things that are appropriate for them, things that they are familiar with, but also some new things as well. Uh, so I want to have some comfort items. Uh, when I was earlier in my teaching year, I would rotate and I would rotate almost everything within that. So a student would come in, you know, on a Monday after changing it on a Friday, and then the entire dramatic play area would be changed into something else. Or my toys and game center, we would have changed everything out. And I I think maybe by your suggestion or somebody suggest, I don't know. Anyway, at some point uh, I kind of realized or was told that, you know, there is some value in keeping some things as mainstays. And just to be able to have uh, the comfort for some kids to be able to go always to the dramatic play and always have something there that they know that they can play with, that they know how to play with it. And um, just to give them the security. Uh, I I kind of balance bef- before thinking like, oh, well, they, they need to do something else. But I, I don't necessarily believe that anymore. I think there is definitely some value uh, to having some familiar items within those different areas that are related to the unit and then also uh, new ones that are going to provide for the vocabulary that they maybe haven't seen before. And then it's the teacher's jobs uh, inside the classroom to introduce those new items and then also get them engaged and comfortable with them. So when they come back on Tuesday, they've seen it before, they know what it is, and then they can use it again. I also say trying to uh, put up a lot of their artwork and some of the things that they're familiar with. so if they take pictures of themselves, putting themselves uh, on the walls and a lot of student artwork, um, I do, uh, you know, some small groups that are based on, on putting stuff uh, up on the wall, but then also any kid that's at the art area, whatever they want to do, they can add stuff uh, to wherever, as long as there's space and stuff like that. Um, pictures of their home life, pictures of other things that um, are relevant so they can see culturally and then also um, people in real life situations. So when you're doing a study, let's say trees, and you have a child who doesn't seem to be quite as interested in the um, study that you're doing for your main curriculum, Mm -hmm. 
how do you involve them in different topics? Let's say instead of trees, they're more interested in insects. Mm-hmm. What do you do to, to meet that need? Sure. Um, I don't know if this particularly fits, but as I was kind of thinking about what we might be talking about today, uh, I definitely wanted to talk about relationships um, just because I think they're super important and maybe in a long-winded way, I'll get to how it answers your question right there. But um, I think knowing where kids are coming from uh, provides a lot of benefit uh, to what I can do as a teacher. So um, we, even as adults, like to do things that we're good at or that we're familiar with, uh, and kids are no different. So if we can figure out what they like or what they're good at and then build a, a comfort level with that, then it is highly more likely that we're going to be able to get them to do tough things or things that they're not familiar with, or that might be harder. So um, in your example, if we're talking about trees and they're more interested in insects and I have built a relationship with them, uh, then I know that they're interested in insects. Then I can and talk about all the kinds of interest in insects that uh, use a tree for their home. And so we're going to talk about what they want to, but I am also going to be able to talk about the different parts of a tree. So we can talk about, hey, these are insects that live in the roots. These are insects that bury, uh, burrow under the, the bark. These are the insects that are going to harm a tree. These are the insects that help a tree. These are the insects that live in the crown of a tree, so on and so forth. So um, I did want to talk about relationships in some sort of fashion um, because I do think uh, it's important to just build a comfort level. Uh, and then kind of a side tangent, I think, is uh, I think when they know that I know about them or care enough about them, I think that they're more willing to do, um, you know, anything. They're more willing to do those uncomfortable things or anything like that. So I think you hit the nail on the head with that, that for sure. If they're comfortable with you and they know that that they're being respected and they're safe, they'll go ahead and do They'll, they'll go ahead and go along with the project, even if it's not something that is truly interesting to them. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're more willing to take those risks because they know mm-hmm. they're in a safe place and yep. that you care. Yep. So when they've got someone who cares about them, they know that it's okay to try something different. Well, and it allows you to take that scripted, when we go back to the curriculum and go back to that scripted study, it allows you to take that and still stick, like we said, do your curriculum to fidelity, but you adapt it to meet you know, so I don't know creative curriculums tree study closely, but I don't know if there's much about insects in there, but you're able to carry on with that and sure. take it. Yeah, I mean, one of the, the questions is who, who lives in trees so we could easily, I mean, that was a, a softball toss for me to hit out of the park, right? That was an easy adaptation. <laughs> there are definitely harder ones out there. Um, harder things are a lot of times when we talk about interests with kids, we're talking about television shows and, um, mm-hmm it's really hard sometimes to uh, be able to connect whatever television show to it. Um, But I found in my research that sometimes there are connections made to these. Uh, So I have been able to reference a few things um, from a few different television shows um, because I've done a little bit of research on those and, and I've got kids young enough that are watching those. So it's not like I, you know, sit <laughs> and watch uh, kids television uh, by myself. But um, I, I think a little bit of that knowledge has helped me make connections to some of those things. And even just something as simple as knowing characters' names from television, you just supplement and or implement all those characters' names into whatever scenario, and it, it usually flies. 
Yeah. And that goes right back to knowing their interest and building that relationship. Yeah. Yep. What are some of the benefits that you see when following children's lead? I think we kind of touched on it, but I think the biggest thing is just their comfort level. Like, uh, I'm going to get less refusals. I'm going to get more kids that are willing and wanting to go along with something that might be hard or challenging. Um, and so they're going to be more willing to try hard. They're going to be more willing to do the tough things. Um, but I also feel like they have a little bit of ownership of whatever we're learning. And I think when kids uh, bring something to the table, uh, I, they're more invested. I mean, that's the same for us as, a, as adults as well. If we're always coming at them with stuff to do, uh, then it's a, a big a big gap between the relationship between student and teacher. But if we can take that away and, and minimize that gap, if they're bringing a conversation, if they're bringing their interests to the table just as much as I am uh, with new concepts, new vocabulary, and uh, new things to learn, then I think it's more of an equal relationship. And uh, I think you're going to get a lot more, um, a lot more learning happening, happening, a lot more participation and a lot more trying hard. And possibly a lot more curiosity because yeah. they're invested. Yeah. Well, we talked about the benefits and you kind of touched on challenges a little bit there back at the beginning, but are there any other challenges that come up um, with following their interests? And you kind of touched on it with the TV shows as well, but is there anything else that comes to mind that's really challenging about it? Uh, yeah, I did think of something else. Um, the other challenge that I find is for some particular kids who are only interested in like one interest area. So the kids who only play in blocks or the kids that won't go to the art table, um, the kids that, uh, you know, only find two or three different things to play at, um, uh, from day to day. I I think that that could be a challenge. Um, this is another thing I've grown over the last several years. Um, particularly doing a better job of bringing stuff from outside that area into that area um, has been helpful during the pandemic because we are having uh, kind of a rotation of centers. I think that that has helped. Uh, I I don't know that I, I mean, I do know, actually, I would never do this kind of a rotation based um, thing now. So to be clear, I guess, uh, typically, I would have free choice centers where the kids can go wherever they want. Um, you know, I do limit it in some, some capacity, like there's only six chairs at my uh, art table. There's only a certain amount of space at the puzzle table, so on and so forth. So during a typical year, as long as there's room for the kids and they're comfortable and they have a spot to build or a spot to sit, uh, they can go wherever they want. Um, but what has been an interesting uh, change because of the pandemic, because we're keeping kids uh, isolated uh, in their own centers. I have seen, you know, kids that I had last year that are going to the art table and, and occupying their entire rotation time, uh, drawing and stuff like that. So that's been interesting to see a, a benefit, I guess, because I am asking these kids to go somewhere else because I don't have any room because there's already a kid or two in the block area, for example. So, um, I've thought about what would it look like, um, you know, when we go back to normal, but I, I know for sure I wouldn't you know, set up a rotation like I do now. I, I don't like the concept of that. I really like them to have the free choice, but um, it's just a side note, a benefit of what I've seen recently through the pandemic is um, being able to to see those kids in those different areas. I've noticed that as well with my own son. He's very much a one center, one toy type of kid, but I've noticed that since he's kind of being pushed out of his comfort zone, he's actually doing a lot more than he did before. So 
definitely could see where that's beneficial. Do you have any suggestions or tips for other teachers? Any teachers just starting out that anything you're like, yo, you need to try this? And I, I think first off, like I said, I have a couple of teachers here that I am able to bounce ideas off of. So um, it can be a challenge if you're by yourself. So uh, using resources uh, that you have, whether it's uh, a team or whether it's the internet, um, just use those. And, and I'm not very good at using the internet, but uh, I, I think that is good and helpful because um, you're able to just have a wealth of, of things at your fingertips. Um, uh, like I said, relationships are super important to me. Uh, I find a lot of value in that, as we talked about. So uh, I think doing a little bit of research is helpful. So I, like I said, I don't anticipate people going home and watching kids television all night. But I think if, if you want to do kind of a bare minimum, just watching the introduction to television shows uh, sometimes gets you the characters' names, and if you're able to recognize the characters' names, like I said before, I think sometimes that's all all you need. But sometimes to just watch a kids' television program, uh, you'll get the main main concept, and then you can be able to relate. So you research on those television shows, learn about the characters, learn the names, what they do, what their superpowers are, whatever it might be. Um, I think that'll be a big benefit uh, in your ability to be able to relate and kind of build relationships with kids. I talked about using movement. I would I would try and involve movement as much as you can, um, whether it's through song. Uh, you know, research has definitely proven that you more the more you tie movement into learning, the the more concepts are going to be able to stick. So that would be another thing. Um, and then the last thing I thought of was uh, particularly for kids who who find things are hard. So if there's something that they don't want to do or it's not of their interest. Um, I, I pretty much just say, yeah, it is hard and kind of acknowledge it at face value. Uh, when we're talking about things that are hard, uh, I think the most important part, going back to the relationship concept, is that they need to know I'm there to support them. So uh, it, it doesn't mean that we always do things that kids like, and it doesn't mean that we always do things that are easy for kids. We still need to challenge them. We need to still push them to the next level. But they need to be able to take that step with confidence and comfort knowing that you're there. <clears throat> so like if we use a uh, zipping your coat example, which I often do, uh, I'll say you need to try your hardest first. Yes, it is hard, but I will be right here to help you after you try your hardest or something like that. So uh, we don't want them to think that they're not going to get the help or they're not going to be support or that they're going to be left inside because they can't zip their coat um, because that gets a little bit of fear and we don't do anything. We don't perform well kids are adults when, when their things are based out of fear. So, uh, like I said, you know, being very specific say, yes, it is hard, but if we practice, we'll get better and then it'll become easier later on. Um, I need you to try your hardest and if you can't get it, I'll still be here to help you or something like that. I think has been, um, a phrase that I've definitely seen kids respond to and respect as something that they can work with and, and give them comfort. And, you know, I've, had less refusals and more uh, kids who are trying their hardest um, because of that, I think. So yeah, I think it helps that you're reassuring them that they know that you're still going to help them. They, they aren't completely on their own. Um, yeah. They try a new thing, but go ahead and try it first and then we'll support you and we'll give you the help you need. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us yeah. um, just kind of get some new tips out for teachers and educators who are working in the field and, just some ideas about how to follow children's lead that'll help them to be successful. Yeah, 
for sure. Thanks for having me.